Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you Land Grant Holy Land's instant recap podcast today. Uh, Jordan Williams is out, uh, attending some family matters. All good. Uh, birthday party, so nothing crazy. But I'm here with Justin Golba filling in. Uh, how you doing today, Justin? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm one of our hosts on Bucketheads, and Chris filled in for me this week, so I'm filling in for Jordan on the instant recap. You know, we're just we're moving some parts around, but it's, it's working. Yeah, we got our basketball guy talking football. We had our football guy talking basketball. It's been it's a good weekend. It's called that's corporate synergy. I think is the term they use yeah. for that. Um, but yeah, Ohio State, Indiana. Ohio State ended up winning fifty six to fourteen uh, once again. You know, you go to Twitter during the game. It felt like you know at points <laughs> of this game, Ohio State was probably losing. You know, yeah. but at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think you could say really anything bad about this football game. I think Ohio State had some success in short yardage situations. I think they threw the ball downfield well. Uh, once again, you know, it's football. You can't expect everything to go perfectly, but I, I don't think you could complain about this performance. So what's your initial thoughts? That was exactly what I was going to say. I, th- I think sometimes people genuinely do expect perfection from this team, and that's fine. You know, the, the bar's high. They put that bar there. And I mean, I was. it's funny. I was in Alabama this past weekend for a work conference, and I got there on Sunday morning. And it took about six seconds for me to be in Alabama before I heard people talking crazy about Nick Saban. So like it's everywhere, you know, like it, the, yeah. the concept of like expecting perfection is everywhere. I was on a golf course and guys were like, I think this is it for Nick, you know, and these are Alabama fans. These aren't like pundits and stuff. So, you know, I get it when your expectations is high, the bar is high, but like I can maybe point to three plays throughout the entire game where I'm like, ah, that kind of sucks. Other than that, yeah. was, the Dexter Williams passed deep. I don't know who he hit. I don't know. What, I don't even know what happened. They didn't show a replay. The dude was wide open. It looked like maybe yeah, a slight like a miscommunication. 
the yeah, early rotation. Miscommunication mm-hmm. defensively late uh, to get that yeah. second touchdown. Uh, offensively, yep. you know, it, it's it's the same issue. You know, they load the box up. They don't get the first. I think everyone's kind of still on edge about that. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you lose your starting running back right before halftime. You know, a freshman has to step up. A walk-on wide receiver who played running back in high school, who's played corner at Ohio State, has one carry today for 72 yards. It was incredible. Uh, It's This is what Ohio State should do to Indiana. I think that's something we need to preface this with. But I also think uh, with the snow, with kind of the elements in play again, it was nice to see Ohio State have an explosive day in that condition. Yeah, and it was kind of funny, and I know some people don't love him. I love Gus Johnson. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. He's like, I, I, I absolutely love Gus Johnson. Him saying, though, when the game started that similar conditions, when it was the eight-mile-per-hour wind and some snow flurries yeah. compared to gale force winds is kind of hysterical. And he, you could tell he like it was. started saying it, and he was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. But he just kind of finished the sentence. But, um, yeah, I mean – C.J. Stroud has played one game in the snow, and it was Michigan, and he threw for 400 yards. It wasn't his fault the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. So I don't know why people keep this concept that C.J. Stroud can't play in the snow. is just inaccurate. Um, yeah. This makes uh, Now in the snow, he's played two games. He's thrown for 700 yards and eight touchdowns and no yeah, picks. I'm, actually, like, <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really glad you said that because it is a misnomer. Like, it's really it's just something. wrong. Like, I don't understand it. Like, and Stroud, like, he cut the ball through the wind today. Like, so that's the thing. Going back to last week, you can't cut the ball through 35-mile-an-hour winds. Like, oh God, you no. just can't. It's physically impossible. Josh Allen can't do it. Uh, and he's probably got the strongest arm in the world right now. He can't cut the ball through 35-mile-an-hour wins. Through 10, 15-mile-an-hour wins, you saw C.J. Stroud cutting that ball through. It was an impressive performance. You know, once again, I, let's get into the stats real quick. 17-28 to 28 for C.J. Stroud, 297 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, we're not going to talk about one of those touchdowns. I think that's going to get some special – it's going to get some special treatment. For sure. Uh, and to cut this all off, UConn just got bowl eligible. <laughs> Absurd. Uh, football. College football. But oh, back to the That's stats. Good, good for them, honestly. Yeah, good for them. Mayan Williams, 15 carries, 147 yards, a touchdown, all in the first half. So that's kind of the thing where it's like, you know, I don't think, you know, Mayan Williams does that against an opponent, not Indiana or Rutgers. But, like – I think that was the stat line where I'm like, oh, so Ohio State's offensive line did show up today. They showed up with a physical mindset, and Mayan Williams was able to get out and get to the second level and make some things happen. So that was exciting. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., another 100-yard game, had a touchdown, a lot of catches. And really, I think those were the main contributors offensively. Uh, Any of those stat lines you want to talk about, get into specifically? I know we were talking about Stroud. wanted to highlight a few others before we – went deeper yeah i think there's something to be said about getting called out in the high state offensive line i don't think they've been particularly amazing all season but the northwestern game was an obviously kind of a stain and everyone was like okay this is where i think it was the first time people looked at them as a, a problem and they got called out the whole week they got called out i can guarantee you they also got called out in practice so they stepped up they played a good game and again i'm with you I'm not going to take much away from this. Indiana's a bad football team. They're three. I think they're three and seven now. Um, they're just not good. Their defense, their defensive line isn't good. So they should have bullied them, and they did. And a lot of opened up some running lanes. You know, Dallin Hayden. I mean, he came in the game and he had a hole that maybe I could have ran through to get to get a touchdown. So, you know, all these things are good. 
I think the offensive line really stepped up, and I think they just they played the game they kind of had to play. Obviously, it, it doesn't matter. No, none of this really matters until November twenty sixth. That's what it all comes down to. Michigan's yeah, going to win today. They're going to win next week. Ohio State's going to win next week, and they're both going to be eleven and zero. And we're going to find out exactly what this team is and what this offensive line is against a Michigan front seven that isn't as good as last year, but is still very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's definitely something, you know, me and Jordan on Buck Off this week, we're very much calling this a get-right game for Ohio State. This game could have gone one of two ways, you know, 56-14 to 14 or, you know, Indiana hangs around and you just do not feel good as an Ohio State fan going into the last two weeks. And I think at best-case scenario happened today, you don't feel any worse coming out of this game. and you, But, like, you, everyone I think is reasonable enough to know that, like, you can't make any full-on season indictments about winning 56-14 against Indiana. That's just the yeah. truth. But it was fun. It was a fun game to watch, you know. Uh, I think first half, Ohio State, four touchdowns on six drives. The defense came to play. I, like we mentioned, they only had that one touchdown in the first half. And it came off a quarterback switch, so – I, I wish this is like a question I wish I could ask Jim Knowles. Uh, how how much does that like affect a game plan? Because, you know, we didn't have a lot of film on Sullivan last week. You know, you really have no film on Indiana's quarterback today. So it's really like they come in. Dexter Williams comes in and he's a good athlete. And immediately they run him to the right and he's getting some yards and then he set it up to that play action pass he scores or they don't score but they get in to scoring position then score i i just wonder how much that changes like your game plan how much it changes the scheme like what you plan for because after that they made some adjustments and basically kept him in check the rest of the day yeah 100 percent. he started like i think i think he started three for five and he finished like six for 19 or something in that area yeah. Um, so I, I completely agree. I think they just probably had no film on him. And the film on him isn't good. I mean, he, he hasn't had a good season. He's like what they show, 37% completion percentage, 40 yards and two picks. Like it has, He hasn't had a good season throwing the ball. He's a very good athlete. So I think, honestly, that first play with the late rotation, they just kind of probably underestimated his arm, underestimated that even Indiana would be willing to run that play with him. And um, it seems like they got a lot more comfortable – as they got later to the game with him. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, credit to them. That was a good play. It was a good, good, good ball, but it was pretty much their only real – they had pretty much had like three good offensive plays all game. So, I mean, Jack Sawyer had a monster game, and, you know, everybody just – the whole the whole defense looked fine. I mean, they looked fine to me. Cam Brown made a couple of nice plays in the fourth in the third quarter. So I'm not. It's it was one of the, and you said you called this a get right game. And I I completely agree. The my takeaway from the Northwestern game wasn't as, as severe as everybody else. It was throw that tape in the trash. You're never going to see 50 mile per hour wins again. Who cares? Move on and get right. And if yeah. they would have struggled in this game, then you can start to have those concerns of like, okay, maybe this is real. They didn't. The Northwestern game was a one-off. The weather was – I love – and again, I like Joel Clapp, but he was talking about on his podcast, he kept saying you have to learn to play in that kind of stuff. No, you don't. It's 50 no, – you, you will never see that again. It, You'll never like, see that again. 
You're a golf guy. You heard Ryan Day's reference to like teeing. Yeah. You can't even tee up a golf ball in 35 mile an hour winds, let alone hit one. Like he's brought up the football. Like try throwing a football. Like if you go outside the average person and throw a football in a 35 mile an hour winds, there's a chance it comes back to you. It's, it's going to go behind you. And there was one play in particular, and I think the broadcast pointed out where Dewan Jones fall started. I genuinely believe he got pushed over by the wind. Genuinely, because it was at their back. And he's 360 pounds. Like it was just insane. You don't have to learn to play in that you never play in it again so now i think this game is more where you can see where they are okay they had an inferior opponent that they bullied the entire game it was never close um i would say even from the i mean they had the three and out to start okay whatever outside of that it was never close it's just that's how you want to play these games and that's how it should be yeah, absolutely. And like thinking about the stretch of games Ohio State had prior to this one, Iowa at home, Penn State on the road, Northwestern on the road. It, it was a tough stretch. You know, Northwestern's not a good team, but playing in Evanston at 11 a.m. on a Saturday is not anyone's ideal goal. And, you know, coming off a stretch of two consecutive road games, Ryan Dave brought it up during his presser this week during the radio show. It's going to be nice getting home, getting into that routine again because it's been a while. And – in football, two weeks is a long time to not be in your home stadium. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, I think, you know, Northwestern, that was kind of your – if Northwestern was a little better, I'd probably agree with this more. But I did see, like, that that was a kind of a very common letdown game. And we've seen Ohio State over the past, you know, six, seven years, they lose that game. So it was nice to even see them just win it and move on. And like Ryan Day said, just get the hell out of Chicago. Yeah, Chicago in air quotes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the So I, I put a bunch of notes in during the second half. They don't really like say anything overarching. I, I just think they played such a focused second half, you know, and I don't think, you know, a lot of teams, you kind of see they get that early big lead, 28 to 7. They come out sloppy. That was not the case with Ohio State today. They had a block punt in the second half. Uh, they had some easy touchdowns for, for Stroud. Um, Kate Stover had an incredible play. Like, the offense remained focused. You know, Xavier Johnson's run. Um, so, I think, like, just overall, I think the general feeling of this game, the defense played well. I mean, looking at the sack total, the broadcast said five. Uh, this stat broadcast has four. But 10 TFLs, so that means probably one of those quarterback runs got transferred to a TFL instead of a sack. But with that being said, a sack on that amount of dropbacks, they didn't drop back that many times. It was a really good defensive performance. I think that's where we head here. Any defensive players fully stand out to you? Uh, Like I I, I thought Tyleek Williams had a good day. I thought uh, the defensive line as a whole had a pretty good day without putting up wicked stats yeah um the only uh, not the only one but one that stood out and i'll preface this by saying uh, you know i just watched the end of the lsu game and i think harold perkins is the best linebacker in football tommy eichenberg is making a, a statement though i think he is he's a guy that i think a lot of a lot of fans after last year were kind of a little maybe mid on you know okay i don't really know where he is i called him the worst linebacker uh, Ohio State's had uh, after the Oregon game. And from then on, I was like, it's only up from here, and we've taken this journey together. 
Yeah, it's been up <laughs> genuinely because he he looks fantastic. He's making every play you possibly can. He's reading the ball off off the snap incredibly well, making great tackles for loss. He's just he's all over the field. He's exactly what you want your middle linebacker to be. Um, yep. He's a Cleveland kid, so I might be a little bit biased, but you know he's he looks fantastic. I think he and I think he is the the key to the defense's success. It's not a hot take your yeah. middle linebacker tends to be. But all three of his TSLs nice. were off quick reads off the keys and then just get it beat in the back to the spot. And that's yep. that's high that's level huge. linebacker playing. Yeah, that's huge. It's it's awesome. And like I, I think a lot of people would agree like watching Baron Browning play right now in the NFL is kind of like an indictment on Al Washington of like, okay, how could you not get this dude to do anything when he looks like he does? in high school and the NFL, but he didn't look that great in college. It's probably on you because he looks great everywhere else. But um, And I think that we've just seen the difference in Tommy Eichenberg in this defense, in this kind of scheme, and he looks he looks like a completely different player, and it's awesome a good in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually do have some breaking news uh, straight from the Twitterverse. Uh, Mayan Williams said, we good. So uh, in the walking boot on the sideline, I think that's some good news. Um, but, yeah, let's get back to Tommy Eichenberg. Um, Tommy, I mean, I, I don't think – I can't remember a player who had that singular transformational year that Tommy Eichenberg's had from going from, you know, a player that, like me and many people were kind of displeased with, you know, watching Ohio State. And then being like – argue, he's probably going to be an All-American uh, – He's probably going to be a finalist for all those interior defender awards, uh, the Nagurski, the Chuck Bettnerick award, whichever ones he can be up for. Um, and I, I just, I just don't know. Like, I, I can't think of a player offhand that's, you know, had that level of improvement from a year to year basis. I, I can't either. It's, it's been awesome to see, and it's just such a, it's just such a key because, again, hate to say it. This season all comes down November 26th, and that team up north has a very, very good running game led by a very, very good running back, probably the second best in the country behind Bijan Robinson. So uh, they're going to need everything out of him. And I think he came in today with 85 totals to tackles. I don't know exactly how many he had today, but um, he's yeah, I mean, he under looks seven, like it's pretty so much a 92. He'll have yeah, 100 I mean, before that game. Yeah, 100 should be a, a clear in doubt at this point. 125 probably is another question. So it's just been awesome to watch. Yeah. Other defenders who had a good day. I think uh, Jack Sawyer, uh, his sack was awesome. Uh, the last one he had was incredible, just physically imposing. We haven't really seen that a lot from Jack this year. Uh, Zach mm-hmm. Harrison, I don't know. I, I've never seen a defensive end play one of those, you know, those play action line routes to the tight end that just try to get that quick throw for that one yard gain in the first down. You know, he stood there. He didn't go after the quarterback. He didn't follow the defender. He just kind of stayed in the passing lane and put his arms up. And he's like probably nine, 10 feet tall with his arms straight up in the air. And the quarterback could not throw it over him. And it was like probably the most perfect way to defend that type of play, but not everyone is six six with like yeah. a seven foot wingspan. So I'm happy he's on our team. 
Yeah, I feel bad for Zach Harrison in some ways just because I do think he's been kind of killed a little bit with expectation because he came he came in, he was the five star right after the Bosa's and Chase Young and everyone was like he's got he's gonna be the next dude. And he's had a good career. He hasn't been amazing, but this season he's been very good and I think it's nice to see because I think a lot of people are giving him a little bit maybe unfair expect not unfair expectations, but high yeah. expectations. Yeah, and you can see like the difference it makes. Like even like Chase Young had Jonathan Cooper. Chase Young had, you know, guys across from that helped uh, JT and Zach Harrison seem to play well off each other. You know, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer seem to play well when they're, they're opposite sides. So I don't think people really recognize the importance of having two good defensive ends. You know, Zach Harrison for a few years, it was him and some guys who might not have been to that level. Like, you know, I thought him and Tyreek Smith had flashes where they could have been that, but, you know, they just never put it together consistently. Mm-hmm. And I, it's nice seeing his career come that full circle route, you know, finally getting some respect for the dirty work he does and then also making some plays that are just exceptional that flashes athleticism. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, all right. I, I think it's time. I think we've waited long enough. Um, I, I – I, want, I, I thought this was going to be the Xavier Johnson show, right? Um, an incredible show. But I just think that moment of Cam Babb scoring the touchdown is absolutely just sticking with me. The emotions in that play, you can see it on the sideline with every player. And I think, you know, it, it really took me back, you know, like the Slack channel, you know, Twitter. It's always complaining. It's always complaining. But these are kids 18 to 23 years old who put their body on the line every week for entertainment cam bab has been through the absolute ringer and these guys are in a locker room together watching him grind every single day captain blocko recipient had injury setbacks this year gets on the field one play one touchdown it was like one of those scenes out of a movie that couldn't have been drawn up any better and Seeing Cam Babb score, seeing the reaction on the sideline, everyone hugging him so much that they have a delay of game the next play. I just think that puts so much perspective on my eyes watching this game and changed how I was evaluating it. Like, man, this was this was a good performance by Ohio State, and we got this type of moment. And I, I'm just so happy for Cam Babb. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. It was literally a perfect moment. Like, like there was nothing wrong with it. It was a, even like the play was great. The ball was great from Stroud. He caught it. He runs over. You know, he gets on in one knee. The you know Stroud was the first one to him. He makes sure everybody like stays back until he's ready. And then when he's done, Stroud is the first one to to like embrace him. Like he runs over to I, I believe that was his mother that um that he that he was talking to at the end. Uh, it, like it was just literally you know the delay of game's hilarious. I know the refs have to call it, but it's like objectively funny. Um, it's just a perfect moment. You know, there's nothing. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you can be a, the the diehard Michigan fan who despises everything Ohio State. You see that and you're like, all right, that's pretty cool. You know, like yeah, you can't. I mean, and if you don't think that, you suck. And yeah, <laughs> it's it's like to the point. Like you know, everyone's like, I like not in like a rude way. It's just like. Like questioning, like why he's still doing it. You know, why is he still fighting? Why is he still trying to get on to the field? And like, that's why I have so much respect for him for not giving up because, you know, it's one touchdown, it's one catch. And I don't know if we'll see him that much for the rest of the season, but I will say this there will not be 
a more impactful play on this team than that one. No. And seeing that play and seeing the hard work Cam Babb put in is something that's going to like impact every single player there because he didn't quit. He's had multiple ACL surgeries. And if anyone who anyone who's ever gone under the knife kind of understands like the amount of pain and like setback that has on you, it, it's not easy to come back from that. And he came back not once, not twice, not three times. I believe it was four times. It could have been five times uh, of, from serious injuries and made a play. And I, I just think that is just a testament to the type of person he is and why he's wearing the Blocko jersey. Yeah, it's it's I would have quit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would have 100% quit. It's just some guys are they're a little bit different. And, you know, he loves loves what he does. He loves the game. And um, and, you know, it's, it's it was nice to see. I think sometimes we see these stories and, you know, maybe they don't have a happy ending. Maybe Cam Babb never gets on the field, you know, maybe he has to retire, stuff like that. But this one actually had and obviously it's not over. You know, he's healthy. He can be a. He could be of service to this team. He's a really good, he's a really good player. You know, uh, it wasn't like they let him have the touchdown. He's still a good player. So, he, it, hopefully, it's not the end of his journey. And hopefully, we get to see him in the end zone or again. I didn't realize it was his first ever catch. I knew touchdown yeah. catch. I didn't realize it was his first ever catch until the end. So, that was really cool. It was cool also that like I know it's their job, but it was cool the broadcast and everybody understood the moment. You know, Absolutely, obviously yeah. all the fans did, but it was nice to brought like it wasn't like Gus Johnson was like, I don't know why they're freaking out about this player. You know, like they knew the entire and again, like I said, it's their job. It'd be crazy if they didn't. But yeah, and it was cool to see did. everybody understand the moment and they you let that moment happen. Stand the broadcast. They speak with the captains. They speak with the type of people. So they know the story of Cam Bab very well. Uh, they, this is their, I think this is their third game. I think Fox's third game covering Ohio State. So this, that's where you start getting deeper into the storylines with the show, with that comfortable comfortability level with the team. Uh, you know, the broadcast had the moment where Julian Fleming, like, let me get my hug now. And just seeing that, like, the emotion yeah. of the moment was just, it was awesome, man. It, I, I, it's hard. It's even hard to put it into words on here. And I just hope everyone. It is. Like, a 56-14 win over out Indiana. No one's going to remember that. Everyone's going to remember Cam Babb scoring a touchdown. Yeah, it's Joel Klatt, his podcast, the, the week that he does it, it always has – his intro is always a call that he made or Gus made from the week prior, and I'd be very shocked if it's not Cam Babb's touchdown this, this week. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know – Ah, yeah, nothing but respect for Cam Bab. Uh, oh, I, I can't even imagine <laughs> being yeah. his mom, who's been on Twitter, who's been, who's had to defend him at times, and like just like defended his choices. And I just for the whole family, it's just one of those stories that just ended well. Like yeah. to this point, it's not over yet. You said that already. I'm sorry. That's you know, it's it's just great. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, so, uh, I, I think... I think we could kind of go into some other favorite moments here. Uh, I have Harrison Jr.'s absurd sideline catch 
uh, that was incredible. Uh, Day dialing up to Stover in the red zone, you know, I, I think the world was ready to combust if they got stuffed on another one-yard run there, and then they just get a nice, easy little dump off to Kate Stover for the touchdown. And then, come on, Stover's, Stover's had like two touchdowns now where he's caught the ball, made a few guys miss, and then just got in the end zone. And two out of three weeks he's done that. And I, I just think every single week Stover surprises me with the level of athleticism he has. He caught that one seam route today. Uh, three catches, two touchdowns. I don't think he can be more efficient than that. Yeah, Farmer Gronk, right? That's is that that's what they call him. Uh, Baby big Gronk. fan, Baby Gronk. Yeah, uh, he's he's a lot of fun. He really is. I think I don't I don't think anybody expected him to have this kind of impact on this team just because. I mean, we've seen no offense to Kate Stover. We've seen probably more talented tight ends come through. Obviously, Jeremy Ruckert probably stands out there. I mean, Jeremy Ruckert yeah. was incredibly talented, but. You know, they've been drawing up plays for Stover, getting him involved, and he's made the most of pretty much – I think he had like one drop, I've, I've like a pretty egregious drop I've seen. Other than that, he's made the most of every opportunity they've given him, and that's how you get more, you know. Yeah, and uh, to your point, the more ta- talented tight ends, like I, I think you would just say actual tight ends because that wasn't Caden Stover when he got here. Yeah, he was not exactly. tight end. Yeah. Like, that's insane how he's, how he's been able to do this. Um, rushing the ball, yeah. Xavier Johnson – uh, that run was insane. Uh, 71 yards. He took the pit and pull like outside and then bounced it, cut it back. You know, I, I just, you know, he does something every time he gets on the field. He had the touchdown against Notre Dame. He's been a really good kick returner. He had the long touchdown today. He had a nice catch today as well. Um, I, he's just out there. He just plays football. And he, he, he another story, like honestly, a walk on. He's played four positions at Ohio State. Uh, at a moment's notice, you could put him basically anywhere on the football field, and he's going to play hard. And I, I don't even think you could call him getting rewarded. He just made a touchdown happen. Yeah, no, he, that's just – yeah, that's that's creating something out of nothing. Um, not really nothing, but it wasn't a 72-yard touchdown when he got it. Um, it, was at, it was well blocked. He'll give everybody else their credit there, but yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things where I think, you know, every team needs that little Swiss Army knife. And I get what would you would would he be the coming into the season outside of injuries, he would have been the sixth running back, right? Was is my math right there? You'd have Henderson, Williams, Pryor, Hayden. Am I missing somebody there? Yeah, like chipping him would be like yeah, that chip kind of fifth and six. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you have your sixth string running back in camp break off a seventy two yard run, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, honestly, even calling him a run like a, like that's yeah, like saying Chip's a backup running back. It's a little disingenuous. <laughs> like he wasn't even supposed to be playing running back. Yeah, and that was why I that was kind of my a little bit of my problem with how many people after the Northwestern game were like criticizing the running mm-hmm. game and stuff. And it was like you have to have context where it's like Mayan Williams was clearly hurt. Their third string Evan Pryor was out. Their first string Trevion Henderson out. You know, you're kind of you're, you're really like context does matter with all this and. The running – I've never seen a running back room have this many injuries. It's unbelievable. And it's not – it's just bad luck. I mean, Mike Williams just got rolled up on, you know, Evan Pryor towards ACL, right? Yeah, and uh, 
this in camp in camp yeah. the spring. and then you know Trevion Henderson I'm not really sure exactly what's wrong but he's in a boot and that's never a good thing so um it's just it's it's nuts to see what these guys, what this running back room has gone through obviously as you know my Williams did just tweet we good go bucks so I I guess that means he's okay I have no idea I don't know if Henderson will be available next week we'll probably not know until next week knowing Ohio State which is yeah, fine until day of game probably yeah I would doubt I would I would expect we would know come Saturday morning and that's it um which is fine. That's their call. Yeah, um, it's, my, so. it's my favorite thing. I sleep in on Saturdays uh, and I always see the Slack chat. That's the first thing I wake up to. It's like, oh, these are all the injured players. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly how I want to start my Saturday. Yeah. So we'll see. And I mean, again, probably not going to need them against Maryland. Probably going to need them against Michigan. So we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. I think my last favorite moment was a blocked punt. Uh, yeah, you got to love a blocked felt, punt. I had felt like the Indiana's punter was taking like – an insane amount of time to punt the ball. So it was nice to see Parker Fleming go after one and they executed. The only thing that would have made it better was if Caden Curry didn't overstep the ball when he was trying to scoop scoop it up yeah. and then scored a touchdown. Because I don't think – like for a player not contributing on offense and defense regularly, I think Caden Curry's having one of the best freshman years I've seen from a player like on just a special teams basically role. Yeah, he's been I think I think you were the one that said it. Like his effort on the special teams is awesome. He's always flying down the field. He just looks like he's really buying into that role, which is awesome. And because a lot of guys don't, you know, let's be honest. And uh it, it's really cool to see. And you know, I, I would like to do a, a, a I would like to do an experiment. And maybe they can do it next week. I'm not gonna act like I know a lot about football and the schemes and the process. I don't know nearly as much as Jordan does. I don't know nearly as much as you do. I never played football. I never coached it. I would like, though, to see if what would happen if they just every single play through the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. Honestly, yeah. I don't know if it can be stopped. I really don't. I, I like just literally every single play, throw the ball to him. I would like to see what happened. I know football yeah. is more complex than that. But I'm not positive it is. <laughs> like it's, it's unbelievable yeah. what he's doing. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, like, I, it's 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 unbelievable. NCAA 14 with Devin Smith having like 97 <laughs> speed. You just yeah. drop back and just tap X and just let him run under it. Oh, it's it's, yeah. it's definitely like like throw the ball downfield. He's down there somewhere. You know, like it's yeah. it's it's unreal how good he is. And he, and the wide receivers this year, let's be honest, have had a little bit of struggles. Fleming has had some struggles some with catching the recently. ball. Yeah, JSN, you know, hasn't played. Uh like Buka's Buka, been a little bit a little he bit. Just kinda, he just he disappears a little consistent. bit. Yeah, his blocking leaves a little to be desired. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is about as steady as I've ever seen anybody. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I he if you had like I don't even know he he's an incomparable player you know I think Josh in our Slack channel said uh, you got to get a hose and a cigarette for Joel Clad I think he I think he needed that for the whole Ohio State fan base after that one after that block but it, it's just there's just something you know and even like being a Hall of Famer's son doesn't necessarily make you a great football player. And then they put the stat comparisons to him and his dad when they were both sophomores in college, and he's outperforming him in yards and has 10 less receptions. But, oh, man, like the numbers he's putting up are insane. And that really kind of puts it into perspective the type of player Marvin Harrison Jr. is just, you know, having his dad as a side-by-side comparison. And it's so funny, too, and I, I noticed this during the Penn State game. It was clarified during the Northwestern game, and it was – 
solidified today. He never gets a single call when it comes to pass interference, no. but he doesn't ask for them because I genuinely believe no matter what's happening to him, he thinks he should have caught the ball. Like no matter what, the, because he doesn't even look over at the ref, doesn't go do come on. Like he's never once asked for a pass interference. He's never got one either. And because I genuinely believe if the dude is had jumped onto his back and was riding him down the field, I think he'd still think he could catch the ball. So it's yeah. just funny because he's it's like he's upset with himself. It's like I don't care what he's doing, I should still catch it. And um, it's just such a it's just, just it's such a weapon because you know he's. The routes he's he's a he's a ten out of ten route runner, ten out of ten speed, ten out of ten athleticism. Even like you said, then he's down the field in a forty point game, making a pancake block. Like, yeah, what, what else? You you can't that you can't teach that you can't train that. That is just that's him, and that's gonna make NFL. The fact he has to come back, I kind of like. I like the role because I want to see him again. But the fact he has to come back next year is nonsense. I mean, you could plop no, he, him onto any NFL team right now. He's fine. He'd absolutely be wide receiver one, oh, partly God. because of who's his dad and partly because of the talent on the field. Because like then you have the projectability. Like his floor is going to be uh, number two receiver in the NFL. Anything yeah. above that is possible. Yep, and I think this year would I mean it would just be a great storyline because. I don't exactly know who has the number one pick, but the Colts can't be far off from it. So yeah, it would be kind of funny if he goes to Indy, but I don't they know. They need a lot more before they start focusing on that. Is very on that. Uh, sorry, Jordan. He's a Colts fan. Yeah. I'm sure he knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he knows. Every week, I'm sure he knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a, a Jordan in spirit is here. Uh, roast, we're roasting the Colts. Uh, all right. Players of the game. Um, got a few here. Um I'd say we'll start with Cam Brown. You know, I think corners this season have struggled and been the uh, – I, I don't know. Like, they, they, they've they they've just been getting a lot of heat. And after he got mossed, I was out. I was like, you know what? This is just Cam Brown. He comes back with two great pass breakups, makes a few tackles, you know, in good coverage the rest of the day. I think – I don't think he's the player of the game, but I wanted to pay some respects to the corner coming up big when he was called on. Yeah, I think a lot of it can be, a lot of what you are can be shown after you make a bad play, right? And, and he stepped up and made a couple of nice plays. I said this about CJ Stroud. It feels like Stroud doesn't miss many passes, but when he does, he always follows it up with a dime, and that shows me more than a guy that doesn't make any mistakes, um, like a Marvin Harrison Jr. So I'm, I'm very, I, I think he had a great game as well. Um, I would, yeah, I would, I would agree. I think he, I think he played great. Yeah, absolutely. I got Brian Williams first half, you know, alone. I, I think he had an incredible game. This was also the first game where I think he he had a, he, he obviously had some nagging injuries. This was the first game he looked like the player we saw the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, I think the first half against Northwestern might have pissed him off a little bit because the second half, you know, he had almost 100 yards rushing alone, and then he had almost 100 yards or over 100 yards rushing in this first half. So, um, you know, he's he's looked very, very good outside of that first half against Northwestern. And, you know, I don't, I don't think he thought coming into the year he'd have this many opportunities, but he's, again, as similar to like a Cade Stover, he's he's had he's, – he's taken advantage of every opportunity he's gotten. And he's been – he was kind of running with a little bit of a purpose today, I think. So it sucks he got hurt, but – um, I think it's it will be better in the long run, it, the first half that he had today. Yeah, absolutely. I've got Xavier Johnson here. It just felt like he had he did a lot today. 
He made a few. He had a big third down catch, 71 yard touchdown run. It only, like my site only has him with. Uh, I'm trying to find the carries. Where are they at? With one carry, I felt like he had more carries than that. Uh, but regardless, I thought he had a good game. Maybe not player of the game, but need some respect. And then Cam Bab, you know, the one touchdown, one catch. What it did for the team, the the moment itself deserves some conversation. But. Uh, you got you have any player of the games? I, it's hard for me to choose today. There's so many good stories, so many good players, and usually when this happens, my joke is I just give it to C.J. Stroud. Uh, yeah, you could. Uh, I mean, he definitely <laughs> had he definitely had a great game. Um, I mean, the low hanging fruit is also Cam Bab. Yeah, I mean, he had the play of the game, the player of the game, just moment of the year. Um, that's the moment that could, you know, that that's that that's that inspirational moment that could propel a yeah. team because you're kind of in that weird spot. It's November, you're playing some bad teams. You're you t- you kind of you're, you're sleepwalking a little bit, so you see that moment can kind of wake some guys up. And obviously, they're not going to sleepwalk into the 26, but um, still very cool to see. I think Stroud yeah. did have a phenomenal game. I think he there's like this weird contingent of people that still don't think Stroud's good. I think those people are stupid. And I think yeah, CJ Stroud's I, I, very talented. That's a safe word to use, honestly. Yeah, like, I, mean, I think stupid <laughs> might be nice um, at this point. Because well, it's funny because you keep seeing the, the argument of like, oh, well, he has all class receivers, all class receivers. Again, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm not positive his receivers are doing him any favors. So, yeah. you know, he's done this without the, the wide receivers. Without a consistent running game, without consistent performances from young receivers who are in their first year, it doesn't matter their star ratings. Like they right. were not proven commodities. He's done it with the offensive line kind of having to work its way up throughout the year. So I, yeah. I, I just don't see like the like you brought you used the word context earlier. Like I think there's a lot of context here on why Stroud might not look as sharp. Like we see what a lot of Anger at Wilson are doing right now in the NFL. Like if you put a Mecca Igbuka and Julian Fleming in their shoes in the NFL, it's not looking the same. No. And I mean, he's also, again, you, I, context, JSN was the, was the wide receiver one in college football coming into the season. And he hasn't played, he hasn't played but one game. So, you know, is he the number one receiver on the team? No, it's Marvin Harrison. But coming into the year, that was their wide receiver one, and he hasn't played. So it's like all these things matter, and all he's doing is – I think, honest to God, I do think Ryan Day wants his Heisman more than C.J. Stroud does because I was yeah. very shocked to see him in the game in the fourth quarter. But Throwing the football. It, and I know Buckeye fans are going to have a problem with that, but at the same time, you can't have both worlds. Either you want him pulled at half and he's not going to win the Heisman, or you want him to win the Heisman, he's going to have to play in these fourth quarters. That's what hurt Justin Fields. Like, you, he's going to have to have the stats to back it up. Hendon Hooker is playing all, you know, Ben Bo Nix. These guys are all playing four quarters, granted, because they have to play four quarters. But th- that's why their stats are a little bit better. Bo Nix has a little bit better stats because he's playing every minute of every game. You, it's it's kind of that give and take that you have to have. I know, I, granted, and I'm one of them, I would much rather have Ohio State sit C.J. Stroud and him not risk injury than win a – I think the, the Heisman, I don't really care about it, to be honest. Like, if he wins it, cool. If he doesn't, I don't really care. I don't have much of a horse in the race. But, you know, you kind of have to have you, – you have to look at it with that kind of grain of salt of – if you want him to win it, he's going to have to play in these third and fourth quarters, and that's why he's out there. Because Ryan Day, is he staff padding for a Heisman? Yes. That's Absolutely. what you have to do. You campaign and stuff like that. Like That's what you have to do. If you don't do it, you don't win. It's like politics, right? If you don't campaign, you're not going to win. That's, well, this, this, that's what this is too. You're staff yeah. padding for a Heisman. This, they Michigan got him to fan, five touchdowns. 
Michigan fans laugh at it, but it's the same thing they do with Blake Corum. It's why you know it's why Blake Corum's yeah, done the game in the fourth quarter. How many times has Donovan Edwards? Like, it probably doesn't happen as much as like you know maybe I think just watching it like in passing. But I'm just thinking, how many times is like Donovan Edwards have a good series? They get Blake Corum in at like the two yard line to punch it in. Like that's what teams yeah. do. Yeah, and the old Archie Griffin trick. You know, they the team gets down there, he gets the touchdown. Yep. And that's and Michigan kind of gets away with it because Blake Corum's a running back, and that you expect them to play more than a quarterback in a blowout. But you know, that's, if you want, right now, I don't think there is a Heisman front runner. I think I truly believe C.J. Stroud will win or lose it on the twenty sixth. I do not think the Northwestern game lost it for him because every yeah. player has had a similar game to that this year. Um, Hendon Hooker had the same similar game that same day, so it's not like it's a yeah. huge deal. And Bo Nix against Georgia looked unbelievably horrible. So. You know, everyone's I don't really got an know albatross. Yeah, everyone's had an albatross this year. So, outside of probably Blake Corum, but let's be honest, it's an easier award to win for quarterbacks than running backs. So they have that that kind of a cushion leveled in there. So um, that's what it's, that's what they're doing. He's gonna he's, he's gonna play a lot against Maryland, no matter what the score, and then obviously against Michigan to play the whole game because I'm assuming it will be close. But yeah. uh, then we'll see. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, I just wanted to highlight Steel Chambers, 10 total tackles, half a sack, one TFL, uh, Tommy Arkenberg, three TFLs, and uh, Lathan Ransom, one and a half sacks, seven to- solo tackles, and nine total tackles. So those Ransom's three defensive awesome. guys, yeah, those three defensive guys, like, have probably been the identifying pieces of the transformation of this defense. Like, their level of play, the level of increase that's gone for all three of them is really something. Yeah, I, I Lathan Ransom's super fun to kind of like kind of like Ronnie Hickman. They're just really fun to watch. And uh Ransom yeah, they just they're so angry cool. too. I know, I don't know who pisses them off, but it's, uh, keep doing it. I'm just working. Yeah. Uh, all right, injury suspensions ETC period. I don't like to say that word. I'm not very good at it. Uh <laughs> etc. Uh Mayan Williams, uh well Mayan Williams and I'm all over the place today. Uh Mayan Williams said we good. We already got it. Chip Trainum got banged up in practice. Uh, Travion Henderson still on the mend. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where they're coming up. Uh, if Travion Henderson's back next week, if Chip Trainum could get some carries under his belt this next week. Because honestly, Chip Trainum was supposed to play linebacker. I'm sure he's pushing 240 right now. I've, I I figured out how to win the short yardage situations in third and one. You just get that guy healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound like a bad idea to me, that's for sure. Uh, Day also, I don't know if this is breaking news, but Day said he does expect Dewan Jones, Denzel Burke, and Trip Train them all to be available next week. I don't know if you said that. All right, that's good. He talked about injuries. He's grown up. All right, next week uh, for Ohio State, they've got the Maryland Terrapins on the road, College Park. You know, I I feel like that's a basketball school. So uh, it is. I will say, Talia Tagovale is playing today. Uh, not well so far against Penn State. It's just getting started, though. So it'll be interesting. A running quarterback. I, honestly, Talia and J.J. McCarthy have very similar skill sets. So I think I don't actually think you could have had a better opponent before playing the team up north. Yeah, I think this game was circled to me, and I've read an article about a preseason of, like, Maryland is a lot better than people think. 
Uh, their offense is explosive. Rakeem Jarrett, guys like that can really get their guys and get open. I think this will be a good test for the secondary. It's not great that they're getting kind of a, a hurt to Aaliyah because I, I think he sprained his MCL, right? Was that his injury? He yeah, it was games a and, knee injury, I believe. So Yeah, so it's not great. Um, but I do think this will be a good test. Like you said, they're similar quarterbacks. And at least it's going to be – he's going to put some pressure on the secondary, which is not something Northwestern did, really not something Indiana did, um, something Penn State – Kind of did. I mean, it's this. This is probably, in my mind, like the a top. He's definitely a top five quarterback in the conference. So it's someone that you at least have to show up for. Um, and he kind of play. I mean, kind of plays like Tua, honestly. So he's not as on time and accurate as Tua is, but he's still he's still a very good quarterback. So I think it'll be as you said. It's a very very good test for. Um, for the game before Michigan because of how Tulia plays. And I mean, Maryland's defense leaves a lot to desire. So Ohio State's offense should be able to kind of do whatever they want. But their offense is, is fairly explosive for what they are. So it'll, be, it'll yep. be interesting. Jacob Copeland, the Florida transfer, I believe, is there. So there's a lot of – there's some weapons there. They do. They're, I mean, they're not they're not an untalented team. They're 6-3. and three, yes. And that was with some injuries. So they've still won some games in that span with Tulia out. So – It'll be. It's gonna be a fun one. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got today. It's a recap. Got to get this thing up. So uh, that's gonna be us signing out. Uh, Justin, where can we find you in the Land Grant Holy Land feed, uh, podcast wise, and in your written work? Yeah, uh, at Justin underscore Goldbell on Twitter. Um, you can also follow at Bucketheads LGHL. That's the podcast me and Connor Lamonts do. Uh, some people might not know this. Ohio State basketball has started. Uh, they're two and zero. They look very good. Obviously, they played nobody, but they've still they're still two and zero. So uh, check us out. We'll have some college basketball coverage for you. If you're contrary to popular belief, you can do both. In November and December, some Ohio State fans will lead you to believe you can't. You can absolutely follow both the basketball team and the football team uh, because yeah, the next game is Monday and Ohio or Wednesday. Ohio State football doesn't play Wednesday, so there you go. Um, it's so follow us there. Actually, check us out. Better. It's honestly actually better if you start following now, so you can get to learn what the team was, so you don't have to have yes. reactions when Ohio State basketball is playing Illinois or Maryland in conference play. Yeah, it's it's nonsense because people only watch conference play, which is the best. Big Ten is the best conference in, in basketball, and uh, people get very confused. So it's nice to check them out. They got they'll be at the Maui invite over Thanksgiving holiday too, which was a, a very good test. And then they play Duke, and then they play North Carolina. So uh, there's a lot of fun to be had. So check them out there. And uh, like I said, you can follow me at Justin underscore Golba. I think. Thanks for coming on today, Justin, and filling in for Jordan. Uh, Me and Jordan will be back next week with the Maryland Instant Recap. So we will see you guys then. Thank you guys for coming. And this is your host, Chris Rennie, signing out.